Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis and psychedelics industries forward. This week, host emeritus Louis Goldberg is back for a new episode and flying solo with special guest Rick Flair, a legendary Hall of Fame wrestler and founder of Rick Flair Drip, a cannabis brand that offers flour, pre-roll, edibles, and more. Rick joins us this week to discuss his wrestling experiences and perspective on the industry, the parallels of wrestling and cannabis, and his product line, Rick Flair Drip, plus answering a few special questions from fans. If you're interested in learning more about Ric Flair Drip, head over to the links in our show notes. Also, be sure to follow Ric Flair and Ric Flair Drip on Instagram and Twitter to see what he's up to and to learn more about his great products. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Ric Flair, the nature boy himself. I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan. You know, I'm I'm in my early 50s and I remember watching you in the 70s. Um I grew up in New Jersey. I remember watching you in the 80s wrestle uh you know for WWF then wasn't WWE. That business is like you, you we were just joking about how big, you know, Ric Flair Drip has gotten and how big Tyson has gotten. But the professional wrestling business it was always like a, a little kind of small side part of entertainment. WWE just sold for almost $10 billion. When you first got involved with wrestling, what did you think about the, the business potential of the business? Well, when I first got involved, like in 72. Yeah, like, the, like when you were a young man. I, I just knew that Vernon Gagne was rich. That's all I knew. That he had a big house on Lake Minnetonka, <laughs> right? And he That's had a big house downtown, so he must be he must have money. I, I didn't think of wrestling in terms of the way it's thought of now. Was there a point when you were doing it? I was driving between three and four thousand miles a week for sometimes fifty dollars a night, sometimes one hundred and fifty, as much as two hundred. But that would be in Canada. But at that time, um, actually, the Canadian dollar was pretty close to ours. So it was a good deal. Was there a point when you're like, this is not just a job, it's a career that I can make real money at? You know, what, what, there must have been that point where you're like, I see what Vern has. I see what Vince's dad has. When was that point for you when you're like, I can really take care of my family with, with this career? Um. The first week I made a thousand dollars, which was in nineteen seventy-four. I never, I never, <laughs> I never made less than that again. What's the most? Huh? I was gonna say, what's the most you've ever made in any one one match or one you know one night? Well, one night, my biggest payoff ever in the history of the business has been um, four hundred and sixty thousand dollars for wrestling Shawn Michaels in nineteen two thousand eight. <laughs> 
holy shit, that's a lot of money, man. Yeah, but the guys, the, the big guys, like Steve and those guys, they, they've made, you know, a couple million dollars a night. They, they, the guys now on top get, I, I'm guessing, but I'm, I've heard as much as three to four million to go, to go over to Saudi for one man. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, um, there's, there's a lot of money to be made in the business. And it's, um, Vince McMahon has just taken business to a whole new level and he doesn't slow down. When you looked at the, the deal that he cut with Endeavor, you know, to sell the company, what was the thought that went through your mind? Well, I'm happy for him. I mean, I want I want everybody to be happy. If he's happy, he wouldn't make a deal on the the, the business man that I know would not make the deal if he wasn't happy. His character that he has played for thirty years, right? How close to the, his real his real life is that? I mean, how much of that character does he bring into the business side and how much of who he is at home does he put on stage? Oh gosh, I would say very little. I think that's the way he lived his life. He, 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 the guy that I know just, it, the business is all he knows and he loves it. And he, it's, it's his baby. Were you surprised he sold? Um, be honest with you, um, please. I hope. Trying to think, I don't know if I'm surprised. Or not. I, I guess I am. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised that he sold uh, all but four. And then I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had 51 percent instead of 49. If, if those numbers are accurate, but I, I still don't see him taking any orders from anybody. I, then, I, I got. I got to be in that meeting. <laughs> <laughs> you, how much you know? Yet you're, you're sitting at like a fly on the wall with I, some I, Ric just, Flair I, drip, right? I know. I'm reading. I'm just reading the news like you, but I do. I do know. I do see him being being a guy that'd be hard to tell what to do. <laughs> you know, your career has spanned almost fifty years, right? And you started in '72. And you've been, you know, a, a face or a good guy. You've been a heel or a bad guy for, you know, you've gone back and forth over the time. Which do you prefer? Um, say that to me one more time. So you've been a heel and you've been a face all oh, a over. Heel, you. A heel. Why do you prefer being a heel? That just, I'm just much better at it. I, I'm, I'm very limited with, with offensive weapons. So I just, and I'm, I'm really good at it. I mean, I, I'm just a natural heel. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny because when people meet you, everybody loves you. There's not one person who encounters Rick and goes, ah, that guy's not a nice guy or isn't a, a you know, a pleasure. Well, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think I, I don't think I'm difficult at all. I just meant it. Let's, um, um, I'm trying to think. Um, I, it, it just, it's, it's, it's something about it just being able to, to, to I can, I can work with the fans better if I'm a heel. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. I just, I'm just good at bragging about myself and, 
it becomes natural and pretty much live the lifestyle that I portrayed. So <laughs> like living my gimmick and I, I'm just better at it. I'm better than, I'm better at making a guy than another guy is at making me. If I'd ever so, had a guy, if I'd ever had a guy make me the way I've made a lot of guys, God only knows. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I mean, that's called, you know, for, I'm a wrestling fan and I've been a wrestling fan for my entire life. And that's called putting somebody over, right? When you're, when you sell the other person and make them look better. Mm -hmm. Yes. Were there guys I'm, I'm, that. I'm, I'm really good at that. A hundred percent. I mean, you, you really, you know, I would assume that the guys in the locker room and all the different promotions that you've worked with want to work with you because you are able to make them look bigger. Are there guys that you have found really difficult? And I'm not asking you to like throw anybody under the bus, but have there been guys like, I know Bill Goldberg is one who is known not to be huge at putting other guys over. He's just, he's not. And by the way, I'm a Goldberg too, literally yeah. um, and no relationship, but have there been guys that have been difficult to work with that you look like, dude, just go with the script, like play into this. No, not very many. Obviously it's been a couple of years, but I can't, I don't think I can't do all. I've always, I've always found Bill easy to do business with. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't, I didn't expect to be Bill Goldberg and, I, and nobody expected me to, you know what I mean? But I wanted to, I wanted to have a good match with them. And, and, and the only thing that, that, People will forget about Bill. He never had an opportunity to really learn. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, Bill, Bill's been, instead of teaching them all the fundamentals and all that, he didn't need them. He made a fortune just spearing guys and throwing them around. But he's always been very good with me. And I, I, I like Bill a lot person. I remember watching you and him, and I think it was in 98, when, he when you were both in WCW. And it was such a huge experience to watch the two of you because he's physically massive. And you're, you're a big guy, but he's a, a, a professional football player, a really, really big guy. And the way that you, you know, your presence in the ring was as big as his, it's just different. How were you able to create the character you know, the, the nature boy. Can you talk a little bit about like where that came from and how you built it up? Um, I just, it was after the plane crash, a promoter came to me and said, why don't you try a little of this? I, I'd been, I'd been heavy before prior to that. And I lost all that weight. I got down, I went from 255 down to 180. And it was just like, Let's look at Buddy Rogers and, you know, um, you know, try and see if we can't recreate that character, which was very unique at that time. Blonde hair, always tan. He dressed immaculately. Nice jewelry. I mean, but Buddy was, Buddy was really the kind of epitome of the way I wanted to look, to look myself anyway. I give Buddy a lot of credit. Joe Namath, I, thought, I really like Joe Namath. I think him laying on that lounge in Miami, uh, telling the chicks he was going to win the Super Bowl, was, <laughs> that kind of motivated me too. <laughs> I mean, do, do you think that there are guys like Jesse Ventura saw what you did and and then took that from you, or like you know, because there's there are others who have come after you, Ted DiBiase, and you know, it's a million dollar man. Like they all seem to be, you know, stylistically and character your children. 
Do you look at these guys and go, oh, that's a little bit of me, that's a little bit of me, or you know, how do you look at those? Oh, guys? not those guys so much. Teddy had his own separate, and and Jesse was more of a bodybuilder. Jesse was more of a superstar Billy Graham kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys that you know got came from came, came from me or like Hunter and um, Shawn Michaels for sure, uh, Buddy Landell. Uh, there's been so many. It's just, you know, actually, Shawn Michaels, actually, it, besides my daughter, is it, it, I think the, the, the two greatest workers on either side of the either side of the fence that have, have ever performed. And you're talking about Charlotte Flair, your daughter? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I have. She's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't watch as much now and it's a bummer because I haven't gotten my kids into it. But when yeah. I catch what's going on, it's still amazing. Like I, I remember, like, like I said, in the eighties and, and also in the nineties, when you still guys like Mick Foley and Steve Austin work, they were, you know, it wasn't that they were technically amazing wrestlers. They weren't like Bret Hart or, or Owen Hart. They were much just, they were amazing on the mic, which is where you really were, you know, the king, there was nobody better. How much of your catchphrases, all those amazing lines, like to be the man, you got to beat the man, you know, the, the woo, all of that. How much of that was written and how much of that was improv? No, none of it's written. My stuff's never been written down. Please. It's all improv. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I can't read something that's been written. I still can't. I got to okay. feel it. I got to feel it and I got to believe it. Have there been lines that you've dropped that you're like, this one's gold and it just flopped. And there are others that like, when you said it, you're like, ah, I didn't hit it. And it just took off. Never. I know. You when knew. I, I know. Yeah. When I, yeah. It's That's very true. few times. It's very few times it didn't take off. <laughs> I mean, look, Rick, you, you know, you, there, there, I don't know many guys on the mic who were better or are better still than you. You mentioned your plane crash back in 1974 where it broke your back and you were told that you were probably never going to wrestle again. Seven, yeah, 75. 75, excuse me. It was 50, basically 50 years ago. Yeah. Do you remember how you dealt with the pain? Like, what did you do? Because, you know, we're going to eventually get to talk about cannabis and, and there's yeah, a I lot did. of value. I don't remember the pain. I, it didn't hurt that bad. I just knew I was broken. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. I don't remember it being that painful, but I knew that I was like really fragile. I mean, you lose, that's a lot of weight to lose. Then I yeah. remember my little daughter and I walk and I had a back brace and my daughter and I walk, walking up and down the street together and then I would lay on the floor of the living room and art do lay on my stomach and just arch my back up trying to build that area. There wasn't much you can do for rehab for that because I had compression fractures. Oof. I never had surgery, but the three three discs all smashed together. Do you have pain now from that? No. That's amazing. That's a gift. I knew it, man. You know, it's a real gift. Um, you know, professional wrestling is such a physical experience and so many wrestlers get hurt. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think that people watch and go, ah, it's all fake. 
you know, there's no pain, but there's lots of guys who get really hurt. And, you know, there are a lot of guys who have become addicted to opioids and other drugs to numb out. Now that you are working in the cannabis industry, do you talk to any of the guys about, hey, maybe don't do the oxy and smoke a joint or, you know, are there moments where you're talking to them now that you are in this, the cannabis space about the healing power of that plant versus, you know, harder painkillers? Oh, I would got to absolutely recommend it. I've never been a pill guy except for Xanax, which um, if I have a supply of the edibles, which I pretty much have access to all the time, keeps me off of Xanax. And I, and I started taking that in 1989. Um, the uh, I, I have never even used any of the uh, products for pain or joint soreness. I haven't even tried them, but... I have friends that have that swear by them. And, oh, man, I, and then, of course, the real mellow high from the marijuana is phenomenal. I, I have two. I, I can't smoke it like Mike, but I'm getting better. I mean, I like, <laughs> I, I like, I like that. It's a real nice high. It, uh, it's, know, a, it's different. I, I like, I like to drink with it too. So, it's <laughs> you know, it's funny. You were talking about the topicals. I have two herniated discs in my neck. And when I'm in pain, I, I put the cream one. on and it really helps. Like, it, oh, yeah. I, oh my God, it's amazing. And it's like instant, right? It gets right in yeah. there. It lowers inflammation. It's, it's, I it's amazing. Them. I just have not, a, I have not a case to it. I don't like to try anything that I don't need to. Does that make sense? I'm been basic. I never, I never did cocaine or anything like that either. So. And I, think that, I think that's because my dad was a doctor because I certainly was wrestling in the area. There was a lot of Tony Montana's in the business back when I was. <laughs> well, and it's funny because in the eighties, the, the WWF was like all in on the, the just say no. And they would drug test. And, yeah. you know, you heard they about guys have. getting suspended, right? They always have. Now that it's legal. Do you see a change or are you hearing about a change in the big promotions, whether it's Impact or AEW or WWE, about their tolerance for cannabis? Or are they still in the just say no, like mindset? Um, I think they're more open-minded to it. The NBA, you know, jumped on and, um, you know, it's like anything else. It, it's it's in alcohol, marijuana, whatever it is, the edibles. They've got to be taken in, in, you know, in um, moderation. They've got to be taken in the context in which they're prescribed or suggested, and uh, it applies to all three. And and the things that the things that used to bother me about marijuana when I was wrestling is that guys who were smoking, they're impaired, just like there, you know, and you're getting kicked in the head twice as hard. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. If a guy, if a guy is stupid enough to smoke a joint before you go out to the ring, I've, I've encountered that before. But I just wrote it off. And said, you know, number one, I told the guy afterwards. I said, don't ever do that again. You know, or there'll be a, a consequence. And then number two, but that's that's people making bad choices. It's like drinking too much. You know, when I'm out with my friends, I don't let my friends drive anywhere. If I'm picking right. up the tab. I don't let my friends drive a foot. And Uber is so easy. I mean, you got I've got a limited, I got a personal driver at my 
beckoning. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't drive anywhere, and I certainly don't when I'm smoking <laughs> drive anywhere either. <laughs> oh my God, no. So the smoke, you know, I can, it's a really nice high, but man, you can feel it. <laughs> all over. It's not just in your head. It's in your body. It's yeah, all over it, your, it, it's everywhere. It's, it's tremendous. <laughs> Are you an indica or a that's sativa what, guy? That's what I need another new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a much better hobby, right? Than, than oh, yeah, it is. It is. It's not making me quit drinking, but I'm certainly enjoying it. <laughs> so you're a well-known wine guy, right? You're an ownophile. I, I was. Now, now I'm back on the vodka soda and cranberry. <laughs> ah, so what do you, when I, you're smoking? I, 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 I was a Pinot Noir guy. Four bottles a day back in the day. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was drinking a lot for a couple of years. <laughs> um. When you're drinking now, like when you're smoking now, what do you like to pair with? Is it a, is it wine or you still go with the vodka? No beer. I don't drink wine anymore. I got off. I, I drank so much of it. I lost the taste. Um, no, I drink uh, Mick Ultra and I drink uh, Kettle Owen. Well, if they're listening, he would be a phenomenal spokesperson. You know, I, would be. I know. Yeah. I know. Let's let's talk about that for a second, and then we'll get into the weeds. Nothing like a Mick Ultra ride on the boat, seventy miles an hour. <laughs> trying um, to smoke, trying to smoke one. <laughs> oh my god, I could see you and Mike doing that together. That would be an awesome yeah. image. Uh, Mike quit it, drinking. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I could see it's like you guys could do a, a spoof on Miami Vice, where you're yeah. both in the cigarette boat trying to smoke a joint and it's flying out of your hands. Exactly. Um, you know. In the last 10, 15 years or so, guys like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and John Cena and Dave Bautista have eclipsed their careers in the ring, right? They have become A-list celebrities. Mm -hmm. In your own right, you're an A-lister. Like, I don't think that there is an, a, an adult male or a teenage guy that doesn't know who Ric Flair is. You didn't break through in Hollywood, though. Is that Was that partially intentional, or did they just fucking miss the boat? No, no, I had a... I, I... You, you have to remember I'm, that's the difference in my age. You know, um, Hulk was making so much money that he could afford it to, to give it a run, right? Yeah. Um, he made so much money with the WWE before he took off that he could afford to take it. But I never made that kind of money, and I uh, I got offered a part with a Ryan Pictures to play like a James Bond kind of character back in the '80s, but the pay with the pay was two fifty. And I was making two thirty, um, so I would have made twenty. But then I wouldn't have been a world champion. I wouldn't have been traveling, and that's one movie. And if it doesn't go, where do you go back to? You know, so I, I just elected mm -hmm. to pass on it. I mean, how, are, you're still an iconic person. I could see you in a Marvel movie or a DC movie. Like you would make an awesome DC villain. I mean, oh, absolutely. You know, Suggest that to somebody. <laughs> yeah, I don't. They, nobody's listening to me. But you know, <laughs> has anybody? Have you been approached by any of those types of? Because they're bringing in lots of people. You know, has anybody come to your agent and said, "Hey, we want Rick to do this, or we want Rick to do no. that." You know, tell him to get his ass in gear and get out here and play your role. No, I haven't heard <laughs> <Yeah>. that yet. <laughs> um, not another request, uh, but. I I'm really happy with the cannabis and I I make a lot of money signing autographs for Fitterman Sports. So I don't really need any more than, than those two. Um, mm -hmm. 
they keep me on the road and keep me busy. And, and then I, I like riding my boat, like I say, enjoying my children when I can see them. And mm-hmm. my, my life's pretty good right now. You know, you made this pivot into the cannabis space, right? Mm-hmm. It was never something. And I've heard you talk thanks, about this in the past. Chad. Yeah, Chad Bronstein's a good guy. Yeah, he's um, a great he's, guy. The, you know, the and, they all are. Adam, I can't, I, I'm, I'm more than just friends with him. I think yeah. like, like family. Um, you know, you wrestled let's, for 50 years. Let's see how close we stay after we have this conversation. After ah. revenue <laughs> <story>. <laughs> yes. um, do you see any parallels between cannabis and wrestling or are they just so fundamentally different? Fundamentally different. There's no none of the um, the personality types like, you know, Chad is a hard charge. And we're talking about Chad Bronstein, who is the founder and and chairman of Tyson 2.0 and also the CEO of Philo. Um, you know, he's a hard charging, you know, Brook no bullshit kind of guy. Oh, um, he's a tough guy. Yeah, but he I no, he's a very tough, especially business. He's phenomenally tough. And uh you know, he's very polite and very well-mannered and articulate and all that, but he, I've heard him he negotiate. He's tough as shit. So is there, yeah. you know, you, you wouldn't think because there's idols so soft-spoken and everything, but he's a tough negotiator. They both are. Um, you know, you had said, I've heard you say, you never really thought about cannabis. You talk about how you were approached. Was it Mike? Was it Chad? Like who came to you and said, Rick, we want to get you high. Chad, and can you talk, tell that story? We were at where we our boats are next to each other here at the Marriott in Tampa. I think we, I was getting off my boat one day, and he was too. And he said, "Eric Flair." And I said, "Yes." And he introduced himself, and he said, "You know Mike Tyson?" I said, "Yeah, very well." And um, I think Mike had been in town that weekend. I think you know, for Fitterman Sports. So. Um, Anyway, I had seen Mike, and this may have been within a week of that, or maybe even the same weekend. And he said, what do you think about getting into cannabis business? And I've been asked over the years, probably maybe six or seven other times. And I just, it wasn't, I was just starting to realize again then before he approached me that it was, you know, basically going to be legal everywhere eventually, you know, much more acceptable. And then once I got in it, I didn't realize how many people love it. I mean, I keep the girls in the bars packed here with <laughs> I don't gotta stand in line for a drink anywhere. <laughs> now are you handing out edibles? What are you hey, handing out? No, 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 no. I don't I don't hand out edibles. It's it, I just drop my line here. I just hand out I don't edibles I, that's too much responsibility, but I I have no problem. Especially with if I don't, but if someone is an experienced smoker, you know, one that is, I wouldn't give it to anybody that hasn't smoked. But man, <laughs> every, you got any with you? <laughs> now they know I'm in the market. <laughs> what was it? You know, you started off with edibles and you've said you, you know, you can't smoke like Mike. I don't think anybody can smoke like Mike Tyson. You know, no. he, he, no. And and Adam thinks he can. That's yet to be determined. (laughs) Adam Wilkes, the CEO. Yeah, Yeah, Adam's tough man. (laughs) Okay. Well, I've I've spent I've been lucky enough to spend time with Mike. I spent three hours interviewing him a a couple years ago, and I've never like ever seen like that was a a unique experience for me. Yeah. Um, You know, but 
talk, the first time you smoked with him, you, what was that like? Uh, the first time I, I, I got a pretty good buzz, but the second time we were in the Hamptons and he murdered me, he just said, let's, 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 let's see what you got, kid. <laughs> he got me. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> At what point did you ever think that not only would you be in business with Mike Tyson, but that you would be smoking with him on the regular? Uh, I don't know if I ever thought that was going to happen. But it did. I mean, Chad and Aristotle and and uh, Adam, they don't bullshit around. If Chad Bronstein tells you something, you rock it. He's, he's just an incredible person. And, uh, I'm his oldest son. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what an awesome image. Um, <laughs> and if people don't know Chad, Chad is like not quite 40. Not a very large guy, you know, yeah, little so Jewish good. dude. Good but... amateur wrestler in college and everything. Oh, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's tough. Um, you know, your product line, the Ric Flair Drip, is taken off across the country. Mm -hmm. When you know that there are thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people who are getting high on your stuff, how do you feel about that? When you realize that, like, they're buying this because of me and they're having this experience, whatever it is, because of me. You know, it's not they're watching you on TV and wrestle like they're in for a night because of Ric Flair drip. I, I'm thrilled by it. You're an entertainer, right? Mm -hmm. It's been your job for 50 plus years to give people a, just an amazing experience when they're either at the arena watching you wrestle or watching you on TV you're still providing people with just an unbelievable experience, but it's through your products. So mm -hmm. how do you feel about that? How do you think about that? You know, what, what is your role with Chad and, and Karma and Tyson in crafting this? Like, where, where do you think about when you think about your product line? Well, I think it's phenomenal. I can tell, you know, I, I, not only do I hear from them, but I hear from people in Michigan, Illinois, wherever I go, Missouri. I mean, it was, it's overwhelming to think that, that we're doing that kind of business. And, um, and then people are that happy with it. I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate that they, they brought me in with them. I mean, make no mistake. Mike is a, the, the senior, uh, between the two of us, but, um, I, I'm just, I'm honored to be part of it. And to see, and, and the fact that it makes so many people happy. We were at 420 together, Mike and I, it was great. It's, it must be an overwhelming experience, or for me, I can imagine standing with him, who is an icon, and you're an icon, and people are there just to show you love, right? How does that feel? I mean, how different is it, the experience of the love that you get in the cannabis industry than the, the love that you got in the wrestling industry? Um, not, it's not really that different. It's, it's a different... It's a different um, the different kind of recognition, but I mean, once again, I, I, I wasn't naive, but I didn't realize how popular it is and how many people are doing it because I hadn't thought about it. I mean, it never bothered me. I didn't, mm -hmm. I, I eventually quit smoking when I was younger because I, I had asthma, but I outgrew the asthma, but and I just didn't, I didn't think about it, but certainly the edible thing came about and I mean, 
Even my internist, who's one of the best internists in the state of Florida, said the edible thing is the way to do it. That's coming from a doctor. I'm not going to mention his name, but he said, does annex, it, it just, if you can get off it, it's hard. But that's that's my token statement to it. Well, it's great that you've you used cannabis you, to get off of Xanax. Xanax. You start vibrating, trust me. Well, SSRIs and benzodiazepines, those are the, the mood-altering drugs that the, the pharmaceutical industry gives us for, for like depression or anxiety. And Xanax mm -hmm. is usually for anxiety. They're, they're a hard drug, man. They You become addicted. And the ability to wean yourself off of Xanax and use cannabis just speaks to the power of cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um I actually have a few questions from fans of the show, and this actually fits in. So Elijah G wants to know how do you use cannabis now to heal your body? Like, what do you, how do you use it from a medicinal purpose? I don't, except for the except for the Xanax. But that's yeah, it. No, no I mean, I, I don't it, I don't use the the products. I, I'm I'm going to start, but it's not because I need to uh, for the uh, joint pain or the muscle pain or any of that. But I, I and the and the smoke just it's just relaxing. It just puts you in like you just flourish. You know, if if I do it in moderation. Yeah. <laughs> if I smoke it with Mike, I crash. <laughs> oh man. Like I said, there's nobody who can hang with I, I don't care what maybe Snoop. There's Snoop. no way Adam can hang with I Mike. Just, I just saw Snoop. <laughs> It's funny, you you must have encountered or met people through this industry that you had never met before. Is there somebody that you met, you went, how the hell am I in the same room with this person um, because of cannabis? I can't say that. I can't say that's happened yet. Well, wait until you get into this room with me, then you can say it's happened. Okay, yeah, I know. I've uh, I've been fortunate enough to meet just about everybody. Along mm -hmm. the way, you know, I'm I'm older than I'm probably older than you think. But I haven't. It's not too many people I've missed on the way through. You're in your late seventies, right? Early. Well, seventy three to four. Seventy three. Excuse me. You're you're in your early seventies. My mistake. I apologize. Yeah. Um, Todd F wants to know, in your entire career, who was your favorite wrestler to work with? Ricky Steamboat. Why well, was why Ricky? He's the best. He and Shawn Michaels are the two best of all time. From a physicality with, perspective. With, with my daughter. Have you, I don't, and I apologize, I don't know this. Have you actually worked, and I don't mean just on the mic, but have you worked with your daughter or are there plans to work? Or are you done in the ring no, completely? No, I'm done. <laughs> she, she's done with me. <laughs> <laughs> Does she turn to you for advice about the business? She doesn't have to. She's better at it than I was. She used to, but not, I mean, she's just she's at a different. She's actually I say this all the time. She runs at a different level right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's the the best female wrestler, period, and and maybe the best wrestler, period, in in the promotion. Exactly. Um, you know, I wouldn't say maybe. <laughs> uh, well, okay, she's the best overall. In my opinion, yeah, which is which is, which should be held in very high regard. There's some I, things I, there's some things I know a lot about. One of them is wrestling. Yeah, I, I would I would agree. All right, my last question for you comes from John W. He wants to know what's the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you backstage. 
the thing that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe. And then whatever that was, it would be awesome to hear about. Backstage. Hmm. Or it could be on the mat. Like, did somebody shit themselves while you were wrestling? No, like, oh, me, I've done that myself. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in pink tights. Oh my God. Yeah. On TV or? No, no, not on TV, but in a live in front of nine to 10,000 people in the Charlotte Coliseum and had to wrestle 30 more minutes. Oh my God. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Who were you wrestling? Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> <laughs> so he literally beat the shit out of you. Yeah, he did. He slammed me and oops. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, look, I appreciate you've been really generous with your time. Um, I will have one request. Can you, the name of this podcast is the green rush. Can you cut a quick promo for us to use just yeah. about the green rush? Like I, whatever you want to say, I would be just eternally grateful for. And just generally, I'm really grateful for your time and you as a client have been awesome to work with. You know, oh, our team you. loves, our team loves working with you and Mike. It's been a lot of fun. Because so, let me ask you a question. So, um, it's it's called the the what the green room, the green rush, right? Because rush like the rushing rush forward with Lewis and the green rush. Yes. Okay. Hey, it's the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Woo! Live from Tampa, Florida, and I'm listening to my main man and conversing with Lewis on the green rush. Look at us, only we can do. We smoking Ric Flair drip go. Woo! On a bitch. On the green rush. Me and Lewis. Styling and profiling. Woo! Oh, that was perfect. Thank you, man. Um, and Francesca says hi. And everybody else on the team, we really have appreciated working with you. Thank You're you. a mensch. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye-bye. As always, thanks for listening. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Twitter with the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast or drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. We're always looking for feedback, guest ideas, questions for guests, whatever. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. And you can find Ric Flair and the Ric Flair drip at rickflairdrip.com that's r-i-c-f-l-a-i-r-d-r-i-p.com that's one take shay one motherfucking take